Hello and welcome to the Writing Your Best Self podcast with me, Georgina Elmashady. Journaling is an incredible self-improvement practice that will help you cultivate the introspection and self-awareness you need to become your best self. Each week, we explore tried and tested techniques along with journaling prompts to help you dig deeper into yourself so you can leverage the wisdom within to achieve your biggest goals and create your best life. Let's get writing. Hello everyone, I'm very excited because today we have another episode in our interview series and this week I'm interviewing legacy creation coach Lisa Wynn. Now Lisa is, as you're going to hear in this episode, she is she's the most incredible woman. She has a wealth of experience in the coaching space. She's coached all over the world, including China and the Middle East. She ha- She's a master certified coach with the International Coach Federation and She's also the host of the Legacy Creation Podcast, which charted in its very first week of airing. Now, Lisa's real passion is helping leaders who want to create a legacy. And this is the topic that we really dove into in this week's episode. As you're going to hear in the episode, Lisa has got a very specific way of helping people really understand what their legacy is so that they can leave behind the things that they want to leave in this world. Now, we had the most beautiful deep dive conversation that explored a host of things, including how to create your legacy, but also most importantly, where your legacy creation starts. And as you're going to hear in this episode, it might not start in the place that you think it's going to start. But actually, if you start from this place, everything changes. Now, Lisa is also an avid journaler. And so we explore how the role that journaling plays in legacy creation and my heart was so full after recording this interview. It, it's such a powerful conversation. That's what I love so much about these interview series is, you know, we have this chance to dive into people's people's heads and people's experiences and really leverage some of their insight to help us become our best selves. So without further ado, I'm going to pass you over to the episode. I can't wait for you to meet Lisa and see you there. Hey, Lisa, it's so exciting. So happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So today we're going to be speaking about legacy creation, which I know is like your your specialist topics. I'm really excited to dive into that in more detail and discover more about what legacy creation means. So let's let's just start with a like a really generic question, then we'll see where we end up. I'd love, I'd love to, for you to explain like what, what does it mean to be a legacy creator? Hmm. Thank you. That's the perfect question because legacy creation are words that we sort of understand and we think of as leaving a legacy. So to be a legacy creator means for me living your legacy. So owning what it is that you really want to contribute to the world. But then thinking not just about what you want to contribute, but about how you want to contribute and how who you want to be in that contribution. So a legacy creator is somebody who wants something big for the world, something new and different for the world, but is is prepared to do it in a way that puts them first. Oh, interesting. I, so I, I'm really curious about the putting themselves first piece. Why, why is that important? Because energetically, you can't want something for the whole world that you're not prepared to have for yourself because you are part of the whole world. So it it doesn't serve the poor, for instance, for you to be lacking in money. 
it doesn't serve the hungry for you to be hungry. When we own that we are incredible, amazing people in the same way that everybody else is, then we immediately empower ourselves to have more energy, to create more wealth, to have fabulous relationships, to have fun changing the world. When we have those things, we're completely sustainable. We're not going to burn out. We're not going to get miserable. And we're going to evolve. This is my big passion. Evolve the very face of change making. So when people see me, for instance, having the fun I have in my business, making the money that I'm making, making the difference that I'm making, they say, I'm going to do it that way. If change makers stick to their habitual way of being, which is being being in service of other people in a way that somehow puts me below them, Mm -hmm. I'm less important than the people that need my help. I, A, I burn myself out by being unworthy. And, and B, I, I need people to need help in order to, to hold that identity. So it's energetically unhelpful to, to serve the world without putting myself first. Wow. So as well as inspiring people to create legacies, you're also completely shifting the paradigm of how that actually works in the sense of like inspiring people to put themselves first in this, in this piece. I imagine, I imagine that actually takes some work, some individual work to be able to, to get into that mindset, because I don't think that's how most people think. I think a lot of people feel that putting themselves first is some somehow selfish so I'd love to, I'd love to have your take on that. Like, what is this old paradigm thinking of we should put others first? Why have we kind of been living in that way? And um, tell us more about why it needs to change. So you're exactly right. This is what I've realised. My life's work is evolving the paradigm of change making. And I talk about it in terms of helping people shift from game change, from um, change making to game changing. So it's not enough to want to just change the world. And I use those words sort of, deter, you know, sort of deliberately. Um, we have to change the world in a way that involves change making. So traditionally, we're brought up to believe that it's somehow morally better to put other people first. Mm-hmm. So especially for women, actually. So we have this sort of whole, like, motherhood wound, which is that my mother suffered for me, so I must suffer for my kids. That um, mother is limited in how she lives her life. She needs to be home. She needs to do this. You know, we have this millennia, really, this sort of generations and generations upon generations of different stories about what it means to be a woman and therefore to be a caretaker. Most professions that nurture other people are centered 
in female. Yeah, so nursing, midwifery, childcare, all of those central caring roles are predominantly female. So what we need to be able to do is choose a whole new relationship with caring with others, which says if I care for myself first, then I don't come to caring with any kind of resentment. I don't burn myself out. I don't have any need to prove myself as a carer. I am. I am worthy. I am incredible. And I bring that energy and inspiration to other people. Wow. I love that shift. And I'm curious to know, what are some of the ways you encourage people to start taking care of themselves? So, you know, we, I, I'm first and foremost a coach. Um, so from that space, we can, look, we can look into the sort of shadow aspect of helping. Um, or, so what, what holds me back from taking care of myself? How how do I somehow make myself, this is really an uncomfortable thought, but it's true for most women that I've worked with, and that's thousands. Um, how do I somehow make myself a bit superior to others by not putting myself first, mm-hmm. by not caring for myself? So there's, there's that piece of work to do, which is the ultimate self-care because you let go of the limitations of self-care. And then there is the piece about stepping in in the present to owning that me looking after myself is the ultimate care for the world, not just for myself. So when I take, and, and what that looks like for different women will depend. What matters is the energetic experience. So I, I could really do with getting my nails done right now. <laughs> my, my roots, you know, I have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my roots need doing. I have coronavirus roots, you know, coronavirus fringe. Um, I need a massage. I am desperate to play tennis. There are, there are things which I can do in the moment which would be self-care for me. And sometimes we label those as selfish or we label them as vain, you know? You could say, for God's sake, if everything's happening in the world, you want your nails done. Or you could say, wow, I can feel the joy that that would give you, the self-care, the relaxation. And then there's the self-care into the future where we are creating systems and ways of operating in the world that maintain our self-care. So all all along the timeline. So I'm getting a sense that by prioritising this self-care piece and taking care of yourself in a different way, it's starting to infuse an entirely different energy into the work that you do. Because it feels like you're then coming at your your change-making work from this place of abundance rather than this place of scarcity or, or lack that's that's what I'm hearing you say exactly totally and you know this is one of my favorite things this is my favorite thing about the word abundance and I, I've never heard anyone talk about this I don't, I don't know why we why we don't know this 
you know, in personal development, we tend to know the roots of certain words. So abundance comes from andare, which means to rise as a wave. At the very centre of the word abundance is the ancient word for wave. And then when you add the, um, the rest of the word, it becomes rise as a wave. And then when you come to abundance, when you add a B at the beginning, then it becomes overflowing. So if you think about the, the very development of the word abundance, it means to be a wave, to rise as a wave, and then the whole, that everyone has risen as a wave and then everything is overflowing. Isn't that that's incredible? Amazing. Yeah, I've got, that's giving me goosebumps like hearing that definition. And you're right, it's such a visual experience as well. This notion of rising as this wave and, and overflowing because just as you're talking now, I'm thinking that almost like the traditional way of making change and creating legacy, I feel that if you're coming at it from this place of scarcity rather than abundance, you're actually trying to find the things that are going to make you feel full in your change-making work rather than being able to find them in yourself to start with. So you're right. I'm totally on your side now. It's like the energetics are going to be off in that sense because you're not putting this almost pure energy into the change-making work because you actually need something it, you need something for yourself to feel whole rather than coming at it whole and then how that will then transform everything you do afterwards. Exactly. You present yourself. If you think about sort of getting ready to be in a relation, in a healthy relationship mm-hmm. um, with a, another person, if you do the work on yourself and then present yourself whole to the relationship, that you don't need anything from that person. Everything you get from them is like icing on the cake. It makes you more extraordinary, feel more happy. But but if you go to a relationship needing things from them, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's difficult. It's transactional, actually. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing with helping. We turn up to help because we need to feel good about ourselves. If we feel, if we know how extraordinary we are, the ease with which we can go and help is is multiplied but also the ease with which other people can accept from us without dependency is increased well can you dive into that a bit more that's that's a really interesting angle yeah so so if I need you to validate me Mm -hmm. so I give I I cook dinner for you you know or I, I I take an offering to you And I say, here, take this. And you know, at some level, human human beings are wired to to know about other human beings, right? Mm -hmm. So I give you this food, and at some level, you know that it's not unconditional love. You are expected to tell me what a good person I am. You are expected to validate, to fill a hole in me that I haven't filled for myself. So next time I offer you food, you might think, I don't know, I don't feel I can keep accepting. I feel like, you know, I can't, this feels uncomfortable. It sets up unhealthy relationships. 
So if I know that I'm extraordinary, if I've fully validated myself, I offer food. The food tastes of unconditional love. It doesn't taste of manipulation in any way. And it's delicious and it nourishes me. And actually, I validate you naturally and from my heart. And it feels extraordinary. And, it, and I can then feel the exchange. So I'm feeding you. You love it. You feel amazing. You naturally feel gratitude. It's healthy. That's a, that's a beautiful description. And I, I love this because thinking about the legacy piece again, like if, if someone's receiving your legacy in a way that makes them feel like they've got a, it's not unconditional or they've got to pay something back in some way, then there's, there's not that purity of expression in it. And, and then how people receive that. So it's almost like you're almost stifling how your legacy can take off because that exchange piece isn't how it could be if, it, if you were coming from this place of abundance, unconditional love, self-validation, all that kind of stuff. This, this is this is such a powerful conversation. I I didn't expect to be talking about these topics, um, and I, it, it's just so interesting how this notion of creating a legacy is is actually about who we become as a result of the work we do. And for me, this the word self love is just that's oh, that's what keeps coming back into my head. It's the self love piece, and. I feel that this is an area that we need to be working on globally right now. There's this whole thing about self-love. So I'd, I'd love to hear your, your take on self-love, what it is and how it links in with your work. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so, so I, fundamentally for me, you and I are one. Everybody we are all expressions of a human collective consciousness where every single piece of that consciousness is as important and as magical as every other one. If you take it down to atomic, subatomic, wherever you go, the human collective consciousness is this beautiful, vibrant energy of which you and I aspects but if you you can look at us individually or you can look at the whole so I can't you know sometimes in personal development you can't love another person until you love yourself and and at one level that's sort of nonsense because you can show love for other people and not love yourself but when you come to that level of human collective consciousness and you come to an energetic quantum level it's completely true because I can't love you and not me because we are we. So if I go to a relationship and I'm only going to love you and not me, I'm not loving us. I'm creating this, this separation that says you are separate, you are worthy of love. Me, I'm not worthy of love. That only works if we absolutely buy into this story that we're all separate human beings who happen to be coexisting on the planet. So this work of loving ourselves is also about loving other people, which is also about recognising this collective awareness, this collective consciousness that we have together. So when we do work on ourselves, we're also working on 
behalf of everyone else at the same time. Absolutely. How magical is that? And I really love this piece that your legacy can start with the work you do on yourself because that piece is completely under your control. Like everybody can start right now doing something that can elevate themselves as, a, as an individual or they can find a little bit more self-love or a little bit more self-awareness. Like we can all do that. We don't need to change the world to start changing the world, if that makes sense. Exactly, exactly. You can change the whole world you, you know, you, you don't even have to try and change the whole world, but the whole world changes when you change. And I'm also getting the sense that if people are doing the inner work at the same time as building their external legacy, the likelihood it is the external legacy they create will be totally different than what they thought it might have been before they started. Do you see that in your do you see that with people that as they heal themselves, as they find that self-love peace? That's something completely different opens up about the impact they want to make. Yes, because you you create, when you really come from genuine, unconditional self-love, which is, you know, so aspirational. We're, we're all humans, you know. We're humans and beings, right? <laughs> so so my, my being could say, can get to that space where I... I look into my essence and I adore who it is. I, oh my gosh, you know, she's the most beautiful, incredible consciousness. And just by loving into that space of the people, you know, I'm loving into the human collective consciousness. I'm raising the vibration of the human collective consciousness in my little piece of the world, which is actually an expression of the whole world. So when I do that, I meet myself more fully. Mm -hmm. When we meet ourselves more fully, our life's work can show itself more fully. Oh, that's, a, that's a beautiful quote. When we meet ourselves more fully, our life's work can show itself more fully. I love that. That's such a powerful statement. And I'm curious to know, like, in terms of journaling, how do you use journaling to to meet yourself and to, to, and to do some of this work? Is, is journaling a tool that you use? Oh, so I use journaling a lot. It, I think it's like, I mean, obviously as a coach, it's really powerful to have conversations out loud with other people mm -hmm. and have somebody reflect back. But if I sit quietly with myself, I find that I'm quite good at letting myself off the hook. Right. I think we often do that as humans. My relationship with my journal is so intimate that I, even if, if I try and write some bullshit into my journal, my journal, like, we hear each other. Got it. And my journal holds things for me till I'm ready to see them properly. So sometimes I'll be writing and I feel better afterwards. I, I love to write. Writing for me just comes from my soul. It feels like it, it's soothing, it's exciting, it's inspiring, it's calming, it's whatever I need it to be. But then if I pick up my journal and read it back in the future, I will read things and I'll think, oh, my word. How? I, I didn't see that then. And now I see it at a whole other level. 
So it feels like this sort of treasure chest where it, it holds the things that come out of me that I, I was too busy or too unconscious or not ready to see, allows me to keep developing, to keep growing into the pages, and then to come back and say, oh, wow, look how far I've come, or this idea has been waiting until I am the person who can deliver it. I love that journey you've just described, how it can like hold you in the moment, but then also hold an idea for when you're ready to be ready to receive it and ready to open it. And isn't it interesting how sometimes we know things ahead of time before we actually can embody them? And I, and I love that tracking process in the journal too. I, I see that for myself is sometimes when we're, we're changing and we're evolving, it can be really difficult to see like the gap behind you, like how far you've come, because this is just who you are now. And having the journal to kind of look back in, be like, oh my gosh, yeah. I remember when I used to think like that, why I used to do that kind of thing. Like, mm. That's not part of who I am anymore. I really can now see my transition. And mm. I guess as a, as a change maker, if you're sharing your insights and wisdom with, with the world and with, with your audience, like knowing that process of how you've come to the place where you can share today, do you find that useful? Do you, do you find having that, no, because you tracked it and you've captured it, do you, does that help you with your legacy creation? Definitely, because I always feel like I live my life as a human experiment. <laughs> that I'm, I'm learning, you know, I'm completely fascinated by human design, which I'm relatively new to, and this is completely backed up in my human design even, that how I create change is to change and then examine how I did it. Interesting. So the journal really fits in with that. Totally. And and sometimes it's really funny because I've got journals around my house that I wrote years ago. Like I'm I'm just I'm turning 53 in a few couple of months. I found a journal recently which journaled about how I want to feel when I'm 40. Oh my gosh. I know. Well. But isn't that extraordinary that I found it now? Like, I honestly couldn't tell you where it's been for the last 12 years. It, it's obviously, it's been on a bookcase, but how I've moved house three times at least in the last 12 years, at least. So why, when I'm not moving house currently, did I find suddenly that journal and happened to open it up to what I wanted when I was 40. So there's this whole magic <laughs> about journaling for me that sometimes, and it, this is one of the hardest things, sometimes I will burn a journal because there's something that keeps showing up that I think, you know what, I feel like I just keep, I keep telling this story. Right. And it might be time to have a ceremonial burning of that. Mm -hmm. um, some journals I can't let go of for a long time. Like I feel passionate about them. And then suddenly it's the right time to burn them. Um, yeah, so you can hear from me, it's a, journaling is a, is a journey. It, it's a whole relationship with myself and my and my journals um that just changes and evolves over time 
And I think you're right. That's one of the most powerful things about journaling is it, it can be this completely unique experience. It's totally personalizable. Like there isn't a template or a, oh, this is the right way to do it. It's like, what is the right way for you? Like you can find your own way in a journal and in the process, like find yourself and meet yourself, which is, is the most empowering thing we can do. Mm. So I'm, I'd love for you, Lisa, to talk a little, about, a little bit about like your own journey as a legacy creator. And mm. I also want to know, because when I think of legacy, for me, that is something that extends beyond our lifetime. Well, that's what legacy is. It's something that extend, extends beyond our lifetime. It's something that's got longevity. So it's not about when you're talking about legacy. For me, I'm thinking, okay, so this isn't just about changing things in the short term or in your lifetime. This is about the long term impact and implications. So why is that something that resonates? Why is that? Why do you want that? Why is that important to you? Hmm. At one level, I would say the reason it resonates with me is because I have done so much work over the years to let go, to, to uncover who I really am. And the reason I say that is because I absolutely believe that every single human being is wired to want to do that. It's it's literally a survival mechanism. Okay. So human beings, you know, we're pack animals because from an evolutionary standpoint, we have no protection. If we're not together, we're not safe. So it makes absolute sense for me that Mother Nature, God, Allah, whatever you believe created or hold true as creating human beings where they are, would wire us to want to make a difference to each other so that we matter to each other so that we're safe. Got it. So I absolutely believe it's core to the human existence. And then other people, you know, human beings are not naturally selfish. We learn that. Um, in terms of leaving something, again, I think we all burn for this feeling of significance to... It makes no sense that we just come, live a life, make no difference and go. I don't think anyone wants to feel that they went through the struggle of human existence for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I spend half my life usually, half my time in, in the, a good year, in the Far East. And, and there we have this, this beautiful Eastern philosophies of reincarnation, for instance, and this sense that what we're doing in this lifetime is an investment in the next lifetime. And I'm often coaching in that space, but it doesn't matter if that's true. It doesn't matter if you believe it. But if you say, what's my legacy that I'm growing into over lifetimes, we let go of the limitation of time which often holds humans back and we say what might be possible so for me I have a five-year-old granddaughter and I hope that she will have granddaughters and that they will have granddaughters you know maybe some grandsons um so a central question that I have for myself is the um question from South American tribes, which is the 150 year, the seventh generation question. So what I'm doing today 
how will it impact the seventh generation from now? And there are tribes in that part of the world that make every decision for their tribe, for their village, based on the seventh generation. So I ask corporate leaders that question. You know, I often corporate leaders bless them in tears, sort of, uh, of inspiration in terms of what we're doing today as a company. What will my great 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 grandson feel about that? That's an amazing question. Wow, because I think a lot of the time we, we're only thinking about like the here and now. This, what we're going to do at the weekend, or what are we going to what are we going to have for tea tonight? Like these really short term, immediate decisions, like this instant gratification piece, which I think has become more and more prevalent in this age of, you know, social media where everything comes so quick and fast. Like you can watch binge watch a whole series on Netflix that so you don't have to wait for the next week to find out what happens at the you know what happens at the at the next, beginning of the next episode. And I think you're right by because we're if we stay focused in the immediacy, we switch off this whole realm of thinking that can completely dismantle what you think is possible. And suddenly you're in this zone of full potential where seven generations time, you could do anything. You could make anything a reality by that point because you have the time to, and the space to figure out the really hard pieces and you'd also be, you're so much more careful of the choices you make. Right. Because so most of the choices that governments and human beings are making right now will not make sense in seven generations' time. Mm-hmm. Imagine in seven generations, people saying, you know what? They used to use plastic once and then chuck it in the ocean. And somebody else was saying, no, no, that's insane. Yeah, they really did. So we can have that space where we've created this shift in human collective consciousness, where we have eradicated single-use plastic from the human collective consciousness. Or we can keep using it, and in seven generations' time, those same kids, in, instead of saying, did you know, would be sitting on a planet that is so choked with plastic that the sea doesn't feed them anymore. And saying, I know the reason that you're so hungry is because in 2000, nobody cared enough to stop throwing plastic into the ocean. So the trajectory that we're on in any one moment, when you play it out seven generations, it, it, it stress tests it to the extent that we should be able to say, holy crap, let's never use plastic bottle mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting then, because it seems like we have this dynamic between, on the one hand, unconditional beings that want to make an impact and help other people. On the other hand, this measure of selfishness where we're not willing to make the harder choices that could change the trajectory for like the seven generations forward so how, how do we balance this how do we get to the place where more and more people are thinking of this these longer term choices and legacy instead of immediacy and instant gratification hmm. i mean at one level i wish i knew because we can look at that as 
like the most complex, most pressing question for humanity right now. Mm-hmm. Or we could make it so simple by saying, if I really, really loved myself and I knew that when I love myself, I'm also loving you and everybody else, that everything I do is for me and the world, then as long as I know that plastic is a bad idea, I wouldn't be able to bring myself to use it. And we can look at governments, at corporations. I, I work a lot with corporations who are asking these questions because our political system is set up that, that almost what matters most is, is what are the electorate going to say in four years' time or five years' time? Yeah. So, And that's not politicians' fault. You know, that's the system that we have. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this short-termism is built in, mm-hmm. whereas corporations have a, a different piece, which is, you know, they've got shareholders, they've got all these different stakeholders, um, and they we can say, so what needs to happen now that makes this a no-brainer for people? That even if it's uncomfortable, it's a no-brainer. Right. So, you know, we can answer that question from self-love through to governmental and corporate corporate shifting. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm, I'm getting a sense that legacy, it doesn't need to be, like your individual legacy doesn't need to be, you create a foundation that changed poverty or it doesn't need to be something so huge. I'm feeling that on the individual level, legacy can be different is what would you say about that totally so i have sort of a whole model that we use around potential and at a founding level if i don't live my personal potential if i'm not happy and well fulfilled and living my gifts doing what's right for me then i've got no foundation of change making so my legacy could be to live to live in a way that supports my children that that inspires other people that starts to grow mm-hmm. um, it could be to work at a level where we shift the human collective consciousness to the state where nobody else you know believes in plastic anymore that it feels like a fairy story but it's about knowing where we are right now what's our sweet spot right now mm-hmm. you know in the spiritual paradigm there was this story that you find your life purpose and then when you when you live your life purpose you're done you can go on to the next life right but or that you leave a legacy so one of the i would say one of my core messages is about living your legacy what does that mean have it now be it now See it now. You you don't have to be, you can be creating something that you will never see the end result of. Right. You don't have to be living some, leading something that you'll never see any results of. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So if someone, wants to, if someone wants to get on the path of their legacy, so you've already spoken about the start point, it starts with you, the self-love piece, so that you can bring the right energy. 
what where do you go from there like how do you know you're you're in the walking in the right in the right direction for your own legacy hmm. so I don't think there's the right direction mm-hmm. I think there's forwards so when we look at currently what breaks your heart what you know there are so many things that we could work on on the planet but what's the thing that you can't bear to hold the reality of do you walk past teenagers sleeping on the street and you don't know how to keep walking your heart breaks or do you walk past them and think you know, I expect some expect they did something or something happened. You know, maybe that just doesn't call to you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see kids with their little pot bellies and their starving, gaunt faces on the news, do you find yourself just crumbling with grief? What What is it that touches you the most? What are the things that you can't leave alone? They just wake you up at night. Those are the things that, in terms of really making an impact on the world, probably that's for you. And then I would say, right, if if that's what's bothering me the most, how am I living in a way that is mirroring or contributing to that? Ooh, that's that's a that's a tough question. But I can imagine that that's going to crack a lot open. Yeah, yeah. Talk me through. Talk me through what that, what that opens up for people. So you obviously you have to ask that question to somebody who's robust enough to look at that. So that's why the first step is self love, right? Because if somebody is torturing themselves, they're miserable. They have no self esteem. They're drowning in debt. You ask them that question. Mm-hmm. It's cruel. Yeah. So, so when somebody is robust enough to come into that space, it, it the first thing it tends to open up is guilt, shame, da da da. da. So it's really important to make sure that we get rid of that, that we make clear that this is not that. This is not about saying it's my fault that children are starving in Africa. That is not helpful. Guilt and shame are the lowest sort of human vibrations and they damage our intuition and our creativity. Mm-hmm. They have no value. So, oh, no, no value, but not in this process, right? So if I say, you know, when I, if I think about, for instance, the planet, if I look at the Amazon burning, that was one thing that every time I was seeing pictures of the Amazon burning, I was just feeling, I felt like my lungs were on fire. So for me then, that was about looking around in my life. First of all, saying, how am I looking after my lungs? <laughs> but also, what about my post-it obsession? You know, how often David Attenborough talks about the importance of looking at, do I waste a sheet of paper more than I need to? So I I can start to live my life. My personal potential would be to live my life in a way that no longer damages the Amazon. 
And from there, I can grow into this sense of what I would call greater potential, where I'm helping other people locally to make an impact on, on how they treat the environment. And then people are going to be interested. People are going to want to know. I might write a book. I might write a, have a podcast. Um, I would do something which actually takes this beyond my time and energy to a global movement. And it might, it doesn't have to be just me, of course. I'm not the only one concerned about the planet. Mm-hmm. So you're feeding into this sort of growing movement of people. And that's that sort of what I would call profound potential, where we're creating planetary shift or humanity shift. And then eventually we pop into the space of pure potential where human beings can no longer imagine that we used to waste paper. Why would you do that? We we eradicate that thinking from the human collective consciousness. But it starts with me feeling my pain and not wasting as much paper or or whatever it is I'm doing in my life that contributes to that big picture. And I love that you've given that trajectory there because I think a lot of the time we're like, oh, well, me saving, me not buying a few post-it things isn't really going to make a difference. But what I'm hearing you saying, it does make a difference because it's then the energy that you're then putting into that cause and it starts somewhere, then it can snowball, but it's got to start somewhere. And by you being the person that starts it, then at least it started. Whereas if you didn't take the action, it stops, nothing changes. So I think that for me, that's such a, a motivating thing to hear that even the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest shift in my own behavior can be the spark that lights a fire that burns to the next level. That That's such a such a powerful thought for legacy. Exactly. And and it can fuel other people's fires. You know, if, yeah. if all around the world, I mean, in a way, fire is unfortunate when I've been talking about burning in the Amazon, but <laughs> you know, we know we're talking metaphorically. So fires go out unless they're tended. So we can keep just building into this. You know, if I stop using as much paper and you stop using as much paper and then somebody else in the middle of the country does we have this network building of people who are using less paper the wave the abundance wave (laughs) exactly yes wow so we we all have the we all have the power we all have the potential to do something that makes a lasting mark all of us, because it always starts with that tiny speck. All of us, yeah. That's a call to action, if I've ever heard one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it, it genuinely starts with you. Every single thing that you do has an impact. And the more consciously we live, the more that we will all impact our own lives our family's lives, humanity's lives, and the seventh generation. And of course, Mother Earth, God bless her soul. Wow. Wow. I'm so inspired. And <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, we, we spoke a little bit about journaling. I'd love it if you could, could you share a journaling prompt that could help someone who's listening today just spark this conversation in their own lives? 
what, what is a good question for them to dive into to start uncovering their legacy and start creating their legacy? Mm-hmm. So, the beginning of the day, I love to journal on who do I want to be today or how will I show up today? And then at the end of the day, I like to journal on how grateful am I to myself for how I showed up today? I'm, I'm curious to know why it's how grateful you are to yourself and not just grateful in general. Why, why do you choose that particular angle? Because if I'm grateful to other things or grateful for other things, I'm missing the opportunity. Gratitude is so powerful anyway. Mm-hmm. But this particular prompt is about exponential shift. So an exponential self-empowerment. So if I'm grateful to myself, I'm growing myself. So if I'm grateful to myself today for using less paper, for using recyclable paper or whatever it is, then I empower myself to do more of that and to be more tomorrow and to show up more extraordinary tomorrow. And I'm all about self-empowerment. <laughs> I love it. That's an amazing answer. So everyone, those two prompts will be available in the show notes as a journaling prompt download so you can dive into Lisa's wisdom. And Lisa, just to close off, I, I'm a big fan of your work and I know you've just started a podcast as well. So can you just tell us if we want to dive deeper if we want to work with you, where should we come and find you and check out check out some, some stuff? Yes, so you can come and find the Legacy Creation Podcast. Um, obviously, it's on Apple or Spotify. Um, if you search Legacy Creation Podcast, it will pop straight up for you. Um, you can come and find me on my website. I have a, a blog there as well, which is just about to launch this week as well. Um, so get to sort of listen to me and hear me writing if you would like both. LisaWin.com. Awesome. I'll pop all of those show notes. I'll pop all those links in the show notes as well so you can access them easily. Lisa, it's been such an amazing conversation. Thank you for just sparking so many thoughts in me and so many different ideas and also what I'm just so grateful for is you've just made this idea of legacy creation really accessible like accessible for everyone that you can start now with the tiniest of sparks but it can still lead into something huge because you have a lifetime or even multiple lifetimes to to make this impact thank you so much it's been such a beautiful conversation and I'm so grateful we had the chance to have this chat together Thank you. Thank you for the questions. Beautiful questions. Everyone, everyone, that's a wrap for this week's episode. I will see you super soon. Take care.